Shannon. And I'm Perry. And this is our podcast, P.S. We have orders. Hi, Perry. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Shannon? Great. It's unbelievable to know that we are starting season two of a podcast this time last year wasn't even a thought yet. It wasn't even a thought. And like, if I think about when we started season one, it was like December and it was cold and it was snowy. And now it's season two and it's 90 something degrees all the time. And I love that we joined with Milso Muster. Like, I can't believe we're part of a network. We've been getting messages from strangers, not even just family and friends that know us, but actual listeners that have been listening and can relate. And I'm honestly, like, blown away. I didn't really know how this was going to go. I thought maybe this will be great or maybe just our friends will listen. And I'm just, like, honored. Like, I feel, like, genuinely, like, honored and, like, nothing but gratitude for, like, where we are. I was actually extremely blown away by the messages we have received on Instagram. Because, like, I don't know about you, Perry, but a lot of the messages we received were from the episode about not having children and how it feels like we're kind of like a minority to a subculture already. So it already kind of feels like you're already in a smaller community, but you're pushed into even a smaller pool. And I feel like it's such a sensitive group to begin with. And I don't know, it's it's just nice knowing that other people not only listened, which thank you. Yes, thank you. But resonated. And it was, I don't know, it was really heartwarming because it's like, it's it's a topic that I talk to, I talk about all the time with my friends. Yeah. Because the majority of my friends fall into that category. So it was, I don't know, it was really heartwarming. Yeah. And, and I think it means a lot to me for two reasons. Like one is I was nervous. Because I was almost afraid that we were going to get a lot of nasty responses saying, like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You know, you have it so easy, which was not the case. Um, And then on top of it, I feel like we were both really vulnerable in that episode. Like, for me, at least, I felt like I was really putting my deep feels out there. And so for people not to come at me was actually really encouraging. So I think it's important we keep kind of talking about that kind of stuff in the future. Oh, it most definitely was. It was it was a good reminder that we're doing something right. So, um, yeah, welcome to season two, everybody. We are going to be changing some things around, including the formula to the episode. Yes. So, Perry, is there yeah. any housekeeping that we need to touch on that at least you're aware of that we haven't already touched on? Um, I don't think we have any housekeeping, but we haven't messed up anything in season two yet, so... Um, not True. that I have. Do you have anything? I hope we haven't pissed off anybody for season two yet. <laughs> I don't have anything. I think the only thing I was really going to touch on was the DMs that we got, which really were heartwarming. So okay. yeah, keep on sending them in. Yeah. Um, so Perry. Yes. The MMR of the week. Yes. I decided. Yes. Shannon picked, guys. This is wild. Season two is out of control. Shannon picked what the NMR for the week is. For me... Like, the topic that we picked was, or at least I picked, was books. Both of us have really busy schedules, so when we do actually find time to have five minutes to ourselves and maybe read a book or two, it's really, I don't know about you, Perry, but I treasure those moments. Oh, yeah. So, what I have been reading lately, because anyone who has Netflix or anyone who's even been on the internet probably knows of the show You. Yes. One of the people I used to work with at my job Mm -hmm. mentioned to me, oh, if you like the show, the books are phenomenal. 
Hmm. And like I've learned through several other books or even several other things that the book is just totally better than the show mm-hmm. or the movie itself. And you is one of them. I already read through the first book, which I'll just say, um, if you thought the show was a little explicit, it, the book is a little bit more. So I would mm-hmm. not use it as a bedtime story to your children. So yeah, I guess that's just my little little okay. sprinkle of thing in there. Yeah. What's yours? I also, we have a bunch of dark books. We have no happy book recommendations. If anyone has happy books, let us know because clearly we don't know. What are happy books? I don't know what happy books are. <laughs> um, so on that same topic, Shannon, you're familiar with uh, The Handmaid's Tale, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I read The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know. We were still in Germany. So back in 2016, maybe. And then I actually read through in 2020, I read The Testaments, which is like the end of Handmaid's Tale. It doesn't follow June. It follows Nicole. Um, so for any of you that, no, yeah, and this is when she's, like, 16 years old. So it's really good. Um, I like Margaret Atwood. I like her writing style. It's very easy. It's not, like, a difficult read by any means. Um, it did kind of ruin a few things because it's, like, you kind of know how it ends, but it is really good. So if you like The Handmaid's Tale, that's a good one. And then the rest are dark. Um, American Predator is about serial killer Israel Keys, who I think is like the worst. I'll Be Gone in the Dark is about the East Area Rapist slash Golden State Killer slash the piece of oh, scum wow. we know as Joseph D'Angelo. It was published, I think, less than a year before they used familial DNA to catch him. So it's fun reading it, but also it's like her thoughts and her theories and her opinions and then you get to see what actually did happen. And a lot of what she wrote down turned out to be true, basically. Which is phenomenal. And then one more thing I want to mention is she actually passed away of like a weird sudden um, health condition before the book was published. So her spouse, Patton Oswald, he finished it with somebody else. Um, and it's a really good memoir, too, kind of to her. It's like a tribute. Yeah. I am currently reading American Sherlock, which is about like the pretty much the grandfather of forensics. So oh. yeah, it's really good. I have read about that book. It's written. I mean, it's very like informative, but it's more written like as a story as well. I'll talk about certain cases where he like really dug into like blood splatter analysis and stuff like that. So if anyone needs some dark, upsetting reading material, <laughs> get in there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say upsetting. It's just, you know, if that's your cup of tea, you know, possibly blood orange tea, that's your choice. Exactly. Exactly. But speaking of cups of tea, Shannon, one of my current cups of tea is reading and understanding more about the MLM community. And Ooh. for season two, episode one, we decided to revisit our very first episode about MLMs and... um Shannon, do you want to tell everyone why? Oh my goodness. So, um, not only did our first episode get a really good amount of listens, and it seems like a lot of people kind of were like, that was a really fun listen, but it seems like MLMs are something that might just not go away anytime soon, and in the first recording that we did in 2020, we've continued to kind of revisit the topic, like both me and Perry have found passion in being into you know, MLMs and the bad side, not necessarily the bad side, but I guess the negative sides of things. It's not hard to find people saying on like social media how they suck 
thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into MLMs and they literally got nothing out of it besides being told you're not working hard enough. Right. And I don't know about you, Perry, but that's pretty damaging to self-esteem. Absolutely. One thing with, with um, one of the reasons why we look so much into MLMs besides they're just fun to look into mm-hmm. is that MLMs tend to overlap a lot with the military community. Right. And one of the reasons why the military community, I feel like, tends to go towards it a lot, it's seen as a quote-unquote flexible job right. with flexible hours. Right. So, okay, cool. Check mark. That's, you know, it's a nice job, especially if you're a mom at home with a newborn and you still want to yes. work, but yeah. can't work a traditional job. That's one of the reasons why they tend to go after moms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing with MLMs is that you are encouraged to throw these parties, like for um, Pure Romance's passion parties. and Which I was just invited to one literally last week, and I told them, I don't actually support MLMs at all, so I can't go, but I hope you have fun. <laughs> you know, another thing is that you have a decent client base with your community, because like one thing with military, it's constantly rotating. So you can, in theory, build a new clientele a lot, because people are right. constantly coming in and constantly coming out, which means, in theory, you might not have a massive competitive base if people are constantly moving. I feel like it's either there's no competition, like if you come in and you're like the first one to sell this product, or it's yeah. completely saturated and the entire base are con- are like salespeople yeah. for it and there's absolutely nobody else to recruit. I feel like it's one or the other. Oh yeah, it's one or the other. It's nowhere in between. Does anyone else remember the LuLaRoe takeover in 2015? Like yes. everywhere. It was so everywhere. And like the funny thing is that like, I love leggings like the next basic B does. But the thing with LuLaRoe, their stuff was kind of faulty at times. Stuff would fall apart yeah. and or patterns wouldn't sewn up together, right? Right, exactly. I think that kind of led to their downfall overall. With that being said, I guess MLMs kind of have a weird place in our community because they kind of check a lot of check marks for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that I guess when you're sold this from someone at that party, like, oh my God, you should come sell Pamper Chef with me too. It's fun. Yay. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you, oh yeah, you actually put a lot more effort than you realize or you have to do X, Y, and Z. So I guess with that, we're going to actually lead into the bread and butter of our actual episode. So if you're someone who is on the side of, I really don't support MLMs anymore, you tend to have a really nice group of Hunbots go, like they try to re- like they try to give you a rebuttal back. So I guess that's just kind of how we're gonna roll with things. So um, yeah. So Perry, yes, MLMs aren't pyramid schemes, so it can't be illegal. Right, you're correct. MLMs are not illegal because MLMs is just a form of direct sales, which are pyramid schemes as well. But the difference being, MLM or multi-level marketing gets its revenue not solely on recruiting people, but it does draw revenue from selling a product. So that's your difference. So to think about it, if you want to compare like a pampered chef party to the most famous pyramid scheme of all, which was the Ponzi scheme, uh, they are very different. So a pampered chef party, you go, you buy your $100 Tupperware, and then you go home. And then maybe if you want to start selling yourself, 
then you'll become somebody's downline and then you'll start selling it. But at the end of the day, you have physical inventory that you are then selling it to somebody else. Now, for anybody that's not very familiar with our boy, Mr. Ponzi, uh, he was an Italian-American who um, was in the stamp industry because, and I'm just, I didn't do super deep re-research because I didn't know all about this all one time, but basically his plan was he was going to buy stamps in the country that it was cheaper and then resell it in a country where it was more expensive. That was like his big plan. But he didn't actually do a whole lot with stamps. What happened is he told investors that if they invested their money, they would get like a 100% markup. He's like, I can guarantee 100% markup. And he was able to do that with a small group one time. So then what did they do? They went to their friends and they said, hey, my $100 is now $200. It's guaranteed buy-in. Then what happened was they reinvested and then it was those people's money that then was paying out like the dividends of the other people's money. So they're not making money because they're not selling a product. He's just taking new people's money and giving it to the old people basically and so on and so forth. So now you have like those friends are buying in or paying like the OG's dividends. Then those friends are like, hey, you know, you should get in. And then their now friends are now giving them money and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And as long as you can keep that pattern going, it'll continue to produce revenue and profit, a lot of profit. But the thing is, is that's not sustainable because you will run out of people to do that. So at one point you're gonna no longer be able to recruit new people and there's no more money coming in. So you could give them back exactly the amount of money they put in, but nothing more. Which goes against what they were just trying to sell. Exactly. So that's a Ponzi scheme and MLMs are not that necessarily. They toe a fine line. So at that point, the bottom row of this like pyramid is never going to gain any money because there's nobody else to buy in. So at that point, it's all going to come crumbling down. And for our boy, Mr. Ponzi, it did all come crumbling down and it was all found out and it was a hot mess. I just want to add a quick note that in 2019, the popular leggings brand LuLuRoe that we've talked about was sued and... Attorney General Bob Ferguson announced that LuLuRoe would pay $4.75 million to resolve Ferguson's consumer protection lawsuit, asserting that LuLuRoe, which is a California-based multi-level marketing business that sells leggings and other apparel to a network of independent retailers, was operating a pyramid scheme. So hey. this is like brand new too. I, this came out like in February that, you know, I knew that they were being sued. And when we first recorded- which I think we talked about- we did. Yeah. We talked about it in the first um, season, but obviously we had recorded before this came out. So uh, Row actually is a pyramid scheme. And you know that because they're paying out $4.75 million to the people that they affected. But yeah, so I just to say, you know, maybe not every MLM is, but they have a very similar base because multi-level marketing is you do get money from the people below you, your downline. Every sale they make, they get money and you get money and then your upline gets money. It still has the essence of that, but you're just mixing in some leggings. But they don't get most of their revenue from leggings. They get most of their revenue from somebody else buying in. Signing up, yeah. So, anyways. I think we talked about last episode or not not really last episode, last season about this mm-hmm. is that the buy-in for LuLaRoe was very very high well fun fact 
it was $5,000. That was your base. And your base buy-in, according to some sources, rumor has it, it didn't even include leggings. So you would get your base buy-in of like dresses and shirts and scarves and stuff, and then you'd have to buy your leggings separately. That's what I heard. I'm not surprised by that because the leggings were the big sell. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you buy in, you get X amount of inventory. Because I do remember reading into that with their inventory is that when you put in an order for a shipment, you put in X amount of money for the shipment, Mm -hmm. but they didn't tell you what patterns you were getting. They weren't telling you what items you were getting. So it could literally be you got a bunch of duds and not a bunch of studs, which means you just dumped $2,000 of your, your money Right. To get inventory, to have it be something that will never, ever sell. Because some of those patterns were cute. I won't lie. Yeah. I mean, I love yeah. tie-dye. I'm wearing a tie-dye shirt right now. But then you'd also get other patterns that you would look at and go, Ew, Ugh. who wears this? Like, yeah. I don't think even the blind grandma down the road's going to wear it. Like, come right. on, man. Right. Do you want to hear something funny, though, about that I'm always startup? here for it. So, it used to be $5,000, but now, if you would like to join a pyramid scheme, um, it's actually, you can do it for the Lola price of $499. Do you know why, Shannon? Because they got sued? Because the Federal Trade Commission decided that it's real sketchy if buy-ins to start are that much money, specifically $500 or more, and they'll, like, automatically be audited. So they changed it to $499 to skate right underneath that cutoff. And it's like, if you have nothing to hide, why would you do that? You know, it's yeah. real sketchy. I That's where I kind of feel like LuLaRoe was very, very high for a while. Like it was riding mm-hmm. the high. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like within like a couple years, we started hearing all of these stories mm-hmm. about like, all these issues and it's not hard to find like literally anyone who's listening could literally go on youtube could go on google like these are not hidden results right yeah if you want a podcast to listen to about all this there's a podcast i've been listening to it's called life after mlm it's by roberta blevins she was a LuLaRoe uh, salesperson, and she did really, really well. I mean, she had a huge downline, and she was part of a documentary about it where you can watch all about, like, the big LuLaRoe thing. When Remember, like, when they were literally falling apart and stuff? So they talk yeah. about that. And then she now has this show where she hosts like MLM survivors, basically, like people that used to be consultants and they come on and they talk about their specifics. So I just listened to one on Amway, which was, oh, I had feelings about that. Um, And, you know, just different ones. Part three? Huh? Part three to our episode. Part part three, three, Amway. Oh my gosh. So if you are interested in that, I would definitely recommend her because she's just, she's just a person and she's sharing her experience and she's talking to other people that share experience. It's very like conversational. It doesn't feel like, it's not like 2020 or anything. It's just like a really, it's yeah. a conversation. Yeah. Which is, it sounds really nice. I'll have to add that to my very long list of podcasts. Yeah. So I guess the next thing, Perry, is yes. it's okay if you're not comfortable with recruiting, just mm-hmm. join for the discount and you'll, uh, you'll, you'll still come out ahead. Like what's, yes. your, what's your opinion on that? I have free hun and little bit of MLM vocabulary. A hun is somebody that is like a salesperson for an MLM. And the reason they're called huns is because they're notorious for messaging on social media. Hey, hun, how's it going? Do you want a job opportunity? So that's just that. 
Um, okay. This is true. If there is a product you love and you want it at a discount, like let's say you're passionate about Avon or something, you know, you can. You can come in and you can buy a discount and you can maybe host a few parties and you'll never make money that way, but you can get a discount. This is true. Then you have other people that make absolute bank at this. I mean, five figures a week kind of situation, but they don't make money from selling product. You know, it's from recruiting and then having your downline make those sales for you. So of course they're going to say, Hey, you should come and join us and you don't need to recruit anybody, but you need to buy my product and then sell my product because ultimately they're not trying to help you get a job. It just means that they look better. In Row, um, this is coming from the MLM podcast I mentioned, you know, for every pair of leggings that you sell, you know, you're encouraged to reinvest that profit and buy two more so you can resell those two. And then when you sell those two, you have to buy four. So yeah, you're getting money, but then you are also supposed to pay twice as much, basically. So you never actually get yeah. like an income, you know? So serious yes. question here. Yeah. With that logic, yeah, you are never actually pocketing anything. You are just literally right. like, let's say, let's say Re-invest. you sell X product for five dollars. Mm-hmm. So now they want you to take the five dollars and buy double that. So you take the five and spend ten. Well, so let's say you know the the wholesale leggings are five dollars, and then you sell them to your friend for ten dollars, and now you have ten dollars. Oh. So now you take the ten dollars and you buy. Two pairs of $5 leggings. And then you sell that. So yeah, you can make money. But the problem is, is that if you are constantly having to buy more inventory, what happens when people stop wanting your inventory is now you're left with inventory and you've never made money. You've never been able to take that money and put it towards your car or your mortgage or your kids or whatever. Or savings. Or savings. Yeah, exactly. Savings. The only way to make money is that... I now have to recruit you, Shannon, because if I sell leggings for $5 and I make 10 and I reinvest five, but now I've got you. So you're going to sell your leggings for $5 and you're going to sell them for 10. But guess what? I get a dollar of that 10. So now I sell a pair of leggings and you sell a pair of leggings and now my profit is $1. And now, you know, I recruit four more people and so on and so forth. So that's how you actually make money. So if you join just for the discounts, it's never going to benefit you at all whatsoever. It's just going to benefit other people. Really disencouraging. Right. So ultimately, if you can recruit five friends, and then you get a percentage of their sales, so then you have like for every, you know, instead of one person's sales, you're getting a total of like six people's sales, at least a percentage of it. And then if they each get five people... Okay, now it's 25 people. And you are now getting a percentage of 26, including yourself, but 25 other people's sales. So you can see how this is breaking up. Now let's say those 25 people all get five people. Holy crap, now you have 125 people in your downline and you're getting... You're making that money. And you're getting a dollar, 50 cents, 25 cents, 10 cents, da, da, da. So every time they make sales, you're getting percentages. So now you're good. The problem is, is not everybody can have three layers of a downline. Because the the issue is, if you do that 13 times, we are completely out of people in the world. 
13th. That's it. That's just what, that's not a lot. Yeah. Okay. So people say like, oh yeah, you can recruit so many people. It's like, well, not really because only one person can do this 13 times and we're out of people. So unless you get in at the ground floor, you're never going to make that kind of profit. You know, this kind of pyramid is not sustainable because you're rapidly going to reach full market saturation. You know, there's no more people to recruit or want your luxury items because most MLMs are luxury items. They're not necessities. I know like Amway has some like necessities, but I could also just go to the grocery store, you know? I hate to say this. I don't mean to burst that bubble. Um, I've never owned any of the products that I know right. about, nor have I ever need to. So right, I guess exactly. technically it's still a luxury, at least in my book. When a hun approaches you in your DMs, because, you know, that's normally right. the setting. It's very, because, like, I've actually had that issue where I had someone I knew, their sibling reached out to me. Okay. I think she was selling Herbalife. I honestly can't remember. And at this point, this is when I kind of had the epiphany that MLMs are what they are. And it was very funny because you try, try to recruit me. And I was like, sorry, man, I, I don't support pyramid schemes. And she immediately gave me, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's, that's illegal. And I realized after a point of me saying, well, if you literally draw right. how MLMs work, it's a pyramid. Like, I don't mean to be mean because I was trying to be really nice. Okay. Cause like I said, she's a family friend sister. Yeah, so I didn't exactly. want to be like, go away, hunbot. Cause I, cause she's like, Oh, da, 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 if you do this and oh, you know, free samples. I'm like, all right, fine. Right, you can send exactly. me free samples, but I'm not buying anything. And I think it got her really upset because I was like, I'll gladly mm-hmm. take all your free stuff. And not buy anything. Because that's normally how they'll try to recruit you. It's like, exactly. oh, what about these three things? Oh, try exactly. this. Oh, you like this. Oh, you're you're hooked. I've learned just to troll them by saying, yeah, man, I'll take all your free samples. But no, you're not. I'm not recruiting. Right. Well, I one thing to remember, the, though, the is like. So, sorry. And we talked about this in our first episode of season one. The women, typically it's women for these kinds of pyramid schemes. Except for Amway. That's mostly men. But anyways. Um, they're not bad people. Um, not all of them are, but the thing is, is that they don't necessarily know, like they are in vulnerable spots, usually financially, if they're getting in on this. Um, and so you just telling them like, oh, it's a pyramid scheme. It's bad. You know, they're probably not going to listen to you, (laughs) unfortunately. Oh, no, no, no. I I see this way is that a lot of them have to learn on their own. So next question, Perry. I know we kind of touched on the last section, um, but I want to make tons of money. Like I said, some people make tons of money, but here's the thing. I did a quick Google. Okay. All businesses, including MLMs, have to put out a USA income disclosure statement. And they all pretty much agree that like 1%, 1.5% of everyone makes money. So there's a MLM called Kayani, and they said that 38% of their active distributors took home a check of $10 or more in a fiscal year. So that's it. Okay. What? So that means that 62.4 of all of their active distributors made less than $10 in a year. What? Because you can get money in, but if you're putting money out, like... You don't get an income, but that's because yeah. I was even just trying to think. Yeah. Imagine what their buy-in is. They're not even making back their buy-in right. at that point, which that is normally a selling point is that you'll make back your buy-in exactly. in like X amount yeah. of time. So 
<sighs> yeah. And then Herbalife, which you were just talking about, shows that favorite 30.6%, so almost a third, make $0 in a year. A third of all Herbalife makes $0 in a year. And then 47.5%, so half, make between $1 and $1,000. So a third makes less than, like, no dollars. And then half makes less than $1,000, okay? So that means between all of them are making less than $1,000 a year. So cool, great. Most jobs that require that amount of work would at least pay an annual income of like the $25,000 range, and only 1.4% of Herbalife make that. So even, like, what? So so (laughs) you're telling me that if I were to work minimum wage, I would be making more than someone who's busting their hump working for right. cold messaging people ordering you have to do your own taxes you have to go to retreats and meetings yeah. that's a huge time suck yeah that's that's kind of like that's kind of mind-blowing because that's normally a selling point too is oh you'll make money you'll make money and it's like when you actually look at the numbers because like you said perry it's a very quick google i know i have seen it in several other like articles mm-hmm. even youtube videos like whatever maybe it is not hard to look up these companies and see what the annual income is. And you can see the breakdown. And I know this is probably going to make anyone who is selling an MLM kind of mad. Because you can, you can find these numbers. So when you try to bring these numbers up to people that yeah. sell it, they really don't have much ground to stand on beside like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Or that's not true. Or that's fake. Or, you know, it's normally kind of a lot of the responses, at least. Well, in a lot of that too, which this is just based off of my personal experience and then listening to Robert Blevins' podcast is a lot of them have this really toxic culture of like, oh, well, you're not making any money because you're not trying hard enough. You're not good enough. Oh, yeah. You didn't do this correctly. You know what? Maybe if you had more inventory, you could sell more. more. Maybe if you made more time, maybe if you came to this, you know, it's a lot of pressure to like keep going and do better. And if you don't, it's your fault. If you do well, you have to credit them. You have to be like, hashtag living my best life, boss, babe. But then if you fail, you can't blame LuLaRoe. You can't do anything like that. That's your no. fault because you're lazy. Because you're not trying hard enough. Exactly. And that's really... And that's not toxic whatsoever. Mm, I think it might be. Not, not I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Ugh. So, you know, like we talked about earlier, some of the greatness about being part of an MLM is you can work from home and do it from your, from your cell phone nowadays because we all have smartphones and, you know, you get to work your own hours. Yeah, it's true. But if you don't work all of your hours in a day, you will be told you're not good enough. So as long as you're okay with that, um, again, episode three with Roberta Blevins on her podcast, her she's talking to another Lulu Rowe, um, like survivor, I guess we'll call them. And they say that even though the flexible position was a selling point, as they both had babies like under a year old at the time, they were literally constantly working because they would put on a party during the day at like two, which is usually when you have like a, you know, a LuLaRoe party or something. But then by the time you load everything up, put it in your car, get to the party, set up everything, get your clothes all looking nice, host the party, run your games, run your, you know, your draws and stuff like that, fill out your order forms, all that good stuff get home, unload, it was 10.30 at night. So she would literally work from like noon to 10.30 
And that would be like her entire day and she would never see her kids. You had to constantly be in contact with your upline and like learning how to sell. And it's, it's a full-time sales job. You just can be flexible with it. But at the same time, you're expected to respond immediately to DMs and you're supposed to stay in touch with the people you're selling. You're supposed to push your sales constantly. So yeah, there's not set hours because they're all the hours in your day, basically. If you yes, want to do well. Like you eat, sleep, live. Yeah. Whatever brand you're working for. Yeah, exactly. Which, I don't know, I kind of like my 9 to 5 because then I can kind of just, minute I walk out the door, turn off my phone or turn off my brain. Right. Except for like audit season. You know, I turn my computer off for sometimes 6 if I'm working really late and I don't think about it again. If my boss messaged me at 10.30 at night, which he would never do, I would not have to respond to that text message until 7 a.m. Yeah. the next morning. Okay. So don't worry about the inventory. Mm-hmm. You never need to buy more than you need. You can always return it. So right. I have actually heard about this issue with LuLaRoe. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I feel like you probably, you probably already know what I'm talking about. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So... It depends on company. And I'm not trying just to pick on LuLaRoe. It's just that with their case coming to light and then being a pyramid scheme, there's just like Very a lot to pick details. on. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot to pick on. Um, I mean, we, we can pick on some other companies. Actually, I have a good unique story. Inventory. You're not forced to buy it. It's true. You usually have like a startup packet, but you don't have to have so much on hand at one time because that's illegal and that's a pyramid scheme. The thing is, in order to like return merchandise, not every MLM will offer you your money back. It might come as like a company credit, which you can then put towards new inventory. So you're not getting your money back. It's always just more and more inventory. So uh, for a while, Unique had this policy where you can return any product at all to the company, but it went to a credit into your account. So the only way to make money was to replace at like a loss it with a new product, you know? So let's say I order a lipstick and my customer hates it. So, you know, she wants a different color lipstick. So then I can return it and then I get a new color and then sell that. But the issue was that they wouldn't do like a even swapsies, I don't think. So it was like, you still kind of like lost money on the shipping and stuff in that process. They didn't cover shipping. Yeah. So you're losing money on that. So secondly, like I said, they don't force you to keep your inventory other than your initial setup. But you also, a lot of MLMs have different like statuses and they're usually much like cults based on like gemstones or something. So let's say you start and you're like a bronze, okay? But if you become a silver, maybe you get more discounts and you know, you get the maybe go on that free trip to Barbados or whatever they're offering. So in order to reach like your silver status, you have to, you as the consultant have to spend, let's say a thousand dollars a month. Now that company doesn't care if you're able to sell that $1,000 to other people, just so long as you have spent that much money, you've purchased that much. Okay. So if you want to make that status, you have to sell $1,000. If you well, want to maintain you can definitely it. definitely make that status. It's just right. out of your own pocket. It's just out of your own pocket. And if you want to keep it, then you have to every single maintain month it. have that. So maybe it's easy to sell $1,000 worth of inventory your first month because all your family and friends buy from you. But if it's a luxury item, not everybody's going to need it every single month. 
So it's gonna be harder and harder to do that. Not to mention, let's say now you have a downline. So it's easier for you to make money because you have people underneath you selling and getting a percentage of their sales. Now let's say you have five people and one of those people is not doing well. And because of them, you're gonna lose your status. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to them and you're going to go, hey, you're gonna hon. You're going to harp on them. I see you're not doing really well. And, you know, I would hate for you to lose your status. So I really think it would be better. I see you're $20 short. Why don't you just buy a little extra inventory for $20 this month and then you'll be able to maintain your status. And I think that's really important for your growth in your future. But it's not because you're looking out for them. It's because you're looking out for you. Because you're going to lose your gold status. You know, if you're, if you don't have it underneath you, exactly. And again, they're going to say like, you have to maintain the status because, you know, don't you want to go to this thing? And don't you want to get these benefits? It's just really, really toxic, you know, not only from your upline, but from yourself, you know, like at the 29th of the month, you realize you're $50 short. Why not just spend $50 and then you can keep your status. If you don't ever sell that inventory, now it's going to end up in your garage. Which is awful. Or are you trying to have to resell it for a quarter of the price because you finally gave up on the company? And I think this relays back to, well, so I can keep my gold status, I just only have to put in $50. It's only $50 and I'll make that back next month. Yeah, exactly. And that's that toxic going back and forth, back and forth. So can a company really be bad though? Yes. There's actually a documentary. It's called Betting on Zero. It's really good. It was on Netflix for a while, but I think I actually had to like rent it off of Prime, but it was really good and it talked about this lawsuit that a lot of people in the Latino community actually brought against Herbalife 2010s. And the reason being is Herbalife blew up in that community. And the reason being is that it was either, you know, because of immigration status, they couldn't get a job, whether it was they were illegal or on a visa or something like that. There's that, or if they were legal, discrimination exists in America. What? Never. And they couldn't get a good paying job. In like 2010, Herbalife got in there and they pretty much got into this big community and convinced them to join into Herbalife. And then they all bought a bunch of product and then they weren't able to sell it. And it wasn't this amazing dream. So in 2015, they tried to fight back and they tried to be like, hey, this is a scam and warn other people. And do you know what Herbalife did? They said, if you're going to cause issues like this in our country, maybe ICE needs to know about your family. They literally threatened to deport them. So they just didn't, they couldn't do anything. This is is all according to Betting on Zero documentary that you watch. Right, exactly. That's what the documentary says. But I'm, I'm pretty convinced that this did happen. So I mean, you'll I'm not shocked. It. Like none of this yeah. is shocking to me. No, absolutely not. So like we said in the beginning, you know, MLMs, they pray in the military community because it's hard for us to have a career moving around a lot, you know, having young children in the home, living overseas. So they pray on us. Latinos, the, the, that community that can't really get good jobs because of immigration status or discrimination, poor people. In general, because they say it's easy work, quick money. You can do this while having to work a second job because you can't afford to live on minimum wage in the U.S. And then also, which I didn't know, but I found out that they're actually pretty big in like AA communities. Herbalife. They have addictive personalities, 
which means yeah. they're more likely to be gung-ho on something and jump in and be all in and be excited. That bothers me on a really, really deep level. Like, Perry, you know this. You know yeah. that literally, I not only do I study psychology, but my, my game plan with psychology is actually to work with addiction and recovery. Like, that is literally my focus. Yeah. So, like, as someone who literally eat, breathe, lives this, information because it's literally what I'm studying in school it makes me want to scream because if anyone has ever dealt with someone who's ever dealt with any form of addiction Mm -hmm. knows how easy they can be skewed somewhere how easy they can be convinced like they're both like they're dealing with a lot of stuff and it's very easy to manipulate someone who's very vulnerable and this makes me want to scream like a banshee scream right and also if you think about it like if you RNAA, there's a good chance you have drug-related charges. So maybe getting good employment is hard. So they get in. They might even be your sponsor and say, hey, I see you're struggling. You need more income. I sell Herbalife. I sell Amway. I do this. I do that. Come join us. We're a community. Because I also... You know, from my very, I'm I'm not in AA or anything like that. I don't pretend to know, but I do have some friends that are, and they're very community based and interpersonal yep. based because they depend on each other a lot. So if somebody you trust is telling you, "Do this, you'll make money, you'll be fine. This will make your life better," why wouldn't you trust them? Yeah. Oh, what issue with like, like you said, if you have drug charges, especially the way the United States works, is you could get a charge literally for having a small amount of marijuana on you, right? Or you can end up getting a getting a charge due to having due to trafficking drugs. Who knows? It's very hard to see. Yeah, or a DUI the high or exactly. I mean, you can have. So either way, like I'm trying to get at is that you kind of get stamped that you're a felon, mm-hmm. or that you have a record. You're a which bad is make person. It very hard. Yeah, basically. you you are a bad person, right. which means it could be very very hard for you to get a job. Mm-hmm. which is going to already put you in a already a, another sub subculture like we've talked about in our previous episodes that the pool of people gets very very small and you kind of you become dependent on those people just as humans we all crave connection right we need community That's exactly who we are so it's now. so it's a very infuriating knowing that companies like this purposely go after these little subgroups because they know mm-hmm. they're already they're conditioned just... exactly so it's it's very frustrating i'm I, i'm sorry for the very very long tirade no, on that you... that just that hit a chord in me that yeah. made me just zero it's to important. ten like, no, i'm let's... still waking up and i'm mad <laughs> i'm so sorry um i was listening uh to a podcast episode from somebody with amway and Amway is different because it is mainly men, which is very, like, different just because a lot of the luxury items that they sell are beauty products um, because, you know, capitalism thrives in women hating themselves. And, uh, but with Amway, it's different and it's men. And apparently Amway has some very conservative values and they're really into community so much so that they also don't believe in living with somebody without them being your spouse. So they like to get all nitty gritty into your relationships and they don't dictate that, you know, you have to marry them without, you know, before you can live with them and stuff. But also it turns out they encourage you to marry within the Amway community. Well, yeah. 
Because if I'm a single Amway rep and he's a single Amway rep and you guys get to married, you join your Amways. Like you, it's like, it's like land in France, okay? It's like you come together and they're like, my dowry is this down line. Like, what? Yeah. What? Their communities are insane. Perry, I can already sense a, um, a part three coming our way with oh, this. Because just like episode one, we were really kind of doing our best to kind of tread the water yeah. on this topic. Yeah, we were much nicer. But now that we... But now that we've really kind of started digging into this mountain of MLM stuff, it's very easy to go, how is no one else seeing this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this isn't even so. talking about, like, the problems of, you know, pushing people to sell on Facebook and cold message until literally Facebook blocks you from messaging or sending any more friend requests. We're not even talking about that kind of situation. This is just the companies in and of themselves. So I feel like season three, episode one might already be planned. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I could I could see Perry right now, two o'clock in the morning, just smashing her keyboard, literally. building this crazy script because normally I do the script so yeah not this week I mean I'm gonna she logged in she's no, like there's six week. pages I'm like listen don't worry about it I had too much caffeine <laughs> um okay lastly Shannon you I remember from last season uh was already very invested in specific maybe lawsuits and things like that did you yeah. want to talk about that okay so Yet again, it is not that hard to find this information literally off of a, literally, this is what I Googled. This is literally what I Googled. I went to the Googles and I put in recent lawsuits with MLMs. That's it. And the very first article that popped up is from Forbes, which we all know who Forbes is. At least if you don't, it's a very well-known site. It's not a hidden 15 searches later or 15 pages later. And it's not the onion or anything like that. No, I was not playing on Tor Onion, whatever. No, it's literally off of a basic Google search. I found this. It was the very first article that popped up. Mm -hmm. And the last time it was updated was 2019 or um, November of 2019. And literally the top ones, which I found very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, This company, I guess, who is a maker of cosmetics for like CoverGirl, Sally Hansen. So I didn't recognize the company name, uh, Cody, C-O-T-Y. are they like a like a product manufacturer? Probably. Okay, so they're but the manufacturer way. behind the, the yeah. sales companies. Yeah, they're the okay. they're the makers of cosmetic brands like CoverGirl, Sally Hansen. Okay. So anyone who's ever used drugstore cosmetics, gotcha. basically. Like they okay. probably like CoverGirl, like I don't know about you, but I actually use CoverGirl mascara all the time. You know, so I, I recognize this name immediately. I didn't recognize the maker, but I recognize the brand that falls under they, their umbrella. Right. And they re- in uh, 2017, they- actually, no, I take, re-roll. So those brands that I just said, like CoverGirl, Sally, uh, Sally Hansen, um, they had uh, stock or shares with Unique, which is a big MLM mm-hmm. uh, cosmetics company. Mm-hmm. They, had, they sold 60% of their shares in Unique for uh, 84.5 million Mm-hmm. After spending six hundred million, yeah, in twenty seventeen, so they dumped that. They got rid of that. They lost a bunch of money, and they didn't. I was care. just about to say they lost a lot of money with that. Yeah, well, that was one big thing with that. Is that 
you have these big companies that invested in these and that doesn't look good that they literally pulled 60% of their shares, Mm -hmm. which if you're someone who plays around with stocks and shares and all that, you'll kind of know like that doesn't look good. Right. Absolutely. Another one, which is, um, you know, someone that Perry likes to talk about quite, quite frequently, the trade, the federal trade commission, um, filed, um, so, um, they filed a lawsuit Friday against, I didn't recognize this brand, Nora, and um, N-E-O-R-A, an MLM skincare company. Okay. Charging it for operating in illegally as a pyramid scheme. Mm, weird. Yeah. Hmm. So, keep that in mind, making claims for treatment conditions of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, brain injuries, that makes me so mad because... Yeah. They're yet again going after people right. that just want desperate help or just need assistance. Like yeah. they're des- they're people in desperate positions that are just going to take what they're offered, even if it's not a good thing or healthy for them. Right. So all these things will be linked below. These are just two on the I think eight or five that they uh, eight or ten that they have on here. Mm-hmm. So feel free to read the articles that we're going to be posting below. Perry sources have probably be they're probably a page alone you know and our job is the uh what we do with our podcast is we're going to give you this information and you are more than welcome to read into this and if you're someone who actually used to sell these products we would yet again love to hear from you so we'll have you on our show if you are a military spouse that sold these products like come on come on over hun let's do it (laughs) so another thing that i really want to quickly touch on is ethics of selling harmful products These are just like some things that I've pulled really quickly. Mm -hmm. Is that anyone who's in a profession knows that each profession generally has their own code of conduct, has their own ethics. Just like you know, medical professionals have a ethics. They have a list of ethics that they have to do. Like doctors, you know, I I have ethics that I need to you know operate by. Otherwise, I get fired. Exactly, and not only would you get fired, you could probably get blacklisted from your field. If I were to, you know, like overstate our our revenue or something like that, like that's that's really bad. That's really really bad. Yeah. That's something that the Federal Trade Commission loves. <laughs> yes. So like all major fields run off of ethics, mm-hmm. and like I know for me with psychology, I always have a good time reading the ethics because at least in the classes I've taken, literally I've taken ethic classes for psychology. And one of the interesting ones, which you would think is kind of already known, but if, like we've learned with the military, if there's a rule, it's because someone has done it and got in <laughs> trouble and got caught. Yes. <laughs> so anyone who, who, anyone who understands that knows. So, like we know with ethics, there's a reason why there's an ethics, like, line about this, is because someone has done it and got in trouble for it. Right. And this can even go back to MLMs. MLMs, what is the basis of MLMs? They are sales. Yes. So there are sales ethics. And this goes back to, (laughs) you know. But generally speaking, like, a lot of people like to correlate ethics with morals. Sale ethics is about doing right by your your customer. And that's by, you know, that's a quote from another article that I pulled. You know, and then you have unethical products are those goods and services which stockholders believe may damage society as a whole. I've pulled many different tidbits mm-hmm. of how these are all ethics that are going against 
basically what the basis of some of the MLMs are, especially the darker side. One really good quote that I found, although MLM is legal, it is unethical. You make a profit from sales of agents in your downline who are risking financial loss. Yeah. Just like we've gone back, these are all pyramid schemes. I mean, they're not technically pyramid schemes. Take a piece of paper, you can physically draw out a pyramid. Right. If you look at a downline and an upline, it does create a pyramid. And that's where your money comes from. So, yeah, it's it's rough, you know. Um, And that's why we're talking about it is just because we see it so much in our community. And in I don't think we got our point across last time that they're predatory and they're unethical. So this is us telling you guys, hey, you know, maybe you're already in a pyramid scheme. It's okay. You can get out. I promise. It might seem like you can't because of all their toxic structures. And yeah, you're probably going to lose some friends. But at the end of the day, you want to, you know, or maybe you're on top. I don't know. You either want to be out or you're doing great and you're, and you are benefiting from people below you losing money. And if you're okay with that, good for you. So um, I guess we're going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you for joining us for season two. Yes. We have many other fun things planned for the rest of the season. Definitely. Um, please start sending in, if you have any stories regarding military, um, sales, MLMs. Any, exactly, like anything. So, yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening this week. If you want to get in touch with us, please don't hesitate to reach out on social media. We're at PS We Have Orders Podcast on Instagram. You can, of course, shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com if you have any feedback or suggestions for an episode. If you want to get more involved, you can always join the Millstone Muster community and you can chat with us or any other wonderful military spouse in our community. We love hearing back from you all. You're literally the reason we do this. If you can, please rate, review, and subscribe to PS Wave Orders wherever you listen to your podcast. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to tune in in two weeks for our next episode.